The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. My name is Isaac. Uh, those of you who don't know, I want to look around this room here. Um, if you don't know me, I'd love to talk with you after, but uh, thanks so much for just joining us here at ETYM. And so, um, We're in a series right now called Pieces. It's a series on pain and suffering, and uh, so yes, you are correct that it's not the most joyful and uplifting and like, wow, this is so exciting kind of sermon series. It's not. Um, it's, but you know, Sarah and I were talking about it um, leading up to this, and I really do think that it's around this season where a lot of us are, you know, like, man, it's, it's a joyful time. Chris music is playing in, uh, in Macy's when you're walking around. Like, how exciting is that? Yeah. Uh, but then, actually, we find that a lot of people are, are in their darkest places in this season of the year. Um, whenever it just starts getting dark outside, whenever there's holiday seasons coming around, there's a lot of memories that are coming around for people, and it's actually a really dark time for a lot of people. And so we wanted to spend... Uh, now up until Christmas, looking at the idea of pain and suffering and our joy and our hope and our promises found in Jesus. And so here it is. We're doing a series called Pieces, a sermon on pain, sain, pain and suffering, sane and puffering. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, I, think, I think it hits home for most people. Uh, most of us know exactly what it feels like to have somebody uh, close to you that is died, whether it be a grandparent or someone that was much too young, but they died unexpectedly or whatever. We, we know a lot of people that struggle with diseases, both physical and mental um, ailments, and, and there's all these different things that we wrestle with, relationship issues, and there's, so I, this, I don't think, is too uh, far from home for anybody here. If it is, please, please teach me your ways, um, how to avoid pain and suffering. But I think it really is just so close to home for a lot of us. And maybe this season is hard for you. Maybe it isn't necessarily the season that's hard for you. But just in general, pain and suffering is a reality in all of our lives. And, and just specifically for our group, we have right now Isaac and Lucas Meyer. I hope they don't mind me mentioning this. But, I mean, they're right now going up and visiting their grandma because their grandfather has just passed away this week. Uh, that's just the reality of what we face in our life, right? There's, there's hurt. There's suffering. There's the phone call that you get that they got this week saying, hey, I want to let you know. And it's just like you're just hit with life. Like, it's just immediately. And, and I mean, um, the same exact week, this week right now, uh, Thomas Cantor. Someone that we care so much and we just know and many of you have grown up with uh, is right now in Kansas City, just had a really serious surgery in Kansas City yesterday, uh, and it went well by the way, but um, he has a long road of recovery, putting two um, metal rods in his back to support his spine. I mean, that's a pretty serious surgery, and this, this whole idea of just really, uh, man, this world is just filled with hurt, and so it's close to home. Uh, and so I'm going to actually open up this sermon with just a prayer that God would speak to us, that God would really reveal himself to us, that my hope would be that after this, uh, we would walk out of here not only knowing that we are hurting, that knowing that pain is a reality, but also knowing that we have a God that loves us and we can be encouraged by that uh, despite whatever pain you're experiencing. And so um, I'll pray for those two cases, both the Cantors and the Myers, but then also just that God would speak to us about something that is really 
just evident in everyone's life. And so would you just join with me in praying really quick? God, I just pray right now that you would speak through this sermon through the next few minutes, Lord, that you would, Lord, you would show us that you're sovereign, that you are great over everything, that you really do work, even whenever we're confused, even though when we're hurting, when we don't understand how this could be your will or what we're going through could be a part of your plan, Lord, that you really are uh, God over everything. And Lord, that despite our pain, despite everything that we're going through, that our love would continue to increase for you, that our devotion to you would continue to increase, and that even our pain would point us to you, our Savior, the one that gives us relief of pain, the one that heals us and restores us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Let us know that you're there, um, and you always will be and always have been. Lord, I pray for Isaac and Lucas uh, as they are in Chicago right now with their grandmother, grieving the loss of their grandfather. Lord, I pray that you would just be so evident there, that you would just, your presence would just be so known and felt, Lord, that they um, would just know that their God that they serve is there. And it's an overwhelming just peace and comfort that they have. I also pray for the Cantors, Lord, as Thomas is in the road of recovery. Lord, we're, thank you, we're thankful for a um, positive surgery, a positive result from the surgery, Lord, but I also pray that as the road of recovery uh, progresses and we know there's going to be uh, rocky days, Lord, I pray that you would just be there and your hand would be resting on them and that you would be their one stable thing in their life. Lord, we give it all to you, give the next few minutes to you, speak to us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, so uh, Pieces is the sermon series that we're looking at where we are going through John chapter 11. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and I can get you one. But John chapter 11 is this story of Lazarus. Lazarus is um, a man that Jesus loves and knows well, but he is going through pain and suffering and his family along with him. And so we're just looking at that a few verses at a time and just seeing how this story can shine light on our own suffering. And so we looked at the first six verses last week. And so I will read this really quick and I will give us a summary of it and then we'll jump into what verses we're going to look at tonight. The story starts with, now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. And so get this picture. There's three people, um, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. They are brothers and sisters, and Mary's the one that she, at, at one point, wipes her hair uh, with perfume on it, just wiping Jesus' feet as really just a sign of devotion, that submission, that Jesus, you are so much greater than I. I am nothing compared to you, and I will get on my hands and knees, and I will just clean your feet with my hair. And so just this absolutely devotion and love to Jesus, and it is her brother, Lazarus, who is sick. And so the sisters send a message to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus knew immediately who that was. He knew that Lazarus was sick. It says in verse four, when Jesus heard it, heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, the sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. And so we looked at this last week, uh, the fact that our pain and our suffering 
are not incompatible with God's love for us. It says it twice here that the one who you love is sick. The one that Jesus, the God-man, he loves the person, yet he is also sick. God's love is not incompatible with our sickness, our pain, our suffering, our hurt. It says here, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them, yet he still waited two more days to go and heal Lazarus. And so he prolonged their suffering. He allowed for their suffering to continue. And so his love for them is completely compatible with their pain. And so actually not only can we both have God's love for us, God's care for us, God's concern for us, and a pain in our life, a suffering in our life, we can not only have both of those, but sometimes God uses that pain to love us. Sometimes it's that very pain in which God is using to love us more deeply. How in the world could we be loved by God whenever he allows pain in your life? How could that be like, wow, that's so loving. Thanks so much for that one. How could that be? But really we see here because he says the pain, the sickness, which is, uh, it's not going to end in death, but it's for the glory of God. I am allowing this sickness in your life. I am, uh, I am allowing this sickness to be in your life so that I would be glorified, so that they would see how great he is, how amazing he is, how he can heal them, how he can restore him. He's allowing this pain so that in the end they would see how great God is and it's the most loving thing he could do for them. Sometimes the most loving thing that God could do for us is allow pain in our lives so that we would cling to him and hold tightly to him and fall on our knees before him Sometimes that's so much more loving than to just heal every little thing in our lives that we would forget we even need God. Sometimes the most loving thing is to allow pain in our lives to where we would just hold tightly on the God who we serve and love so deeply. He's loving us and reminding us that we need him, that we would continue to serve him. And so uh, that is, that's what we looked at last week. And so this week, because the verses aren't isolated, right, in a story in the Bible, you don't just have verses 1 through 6 and then just boom, and then the next 7 through 16, which we're going to look at tonight, are completely unrelated stories. No, like they're, they're the same. They're, they're one uh, story, and we're just looking at it at two different times. And so what we're going to talk about tonight has a lot to do with what we already talked about. It's going to kind of bleed over into tonight. And so tonight, my sermon title, I don't have that all the time. I'm not the creative, most creative person in the world. You know that. But I have one tonight. So if you want to write, uh, if you have a little note-taking card. My sermon tonight, I want to call it the blessing of pain. The blessing of pain. And I, I really do believe that this text shows us that blessing, that, that pain can be, believe it or not, a blessing to us. So let me read it really quick and we'll jump right into it. It says, now after that, meaning after he waited two days, after he held off on going to see Lazarus, it says, after that, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples said to him, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered? If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him, he said. And then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. 
Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought that he was speaking about a literal sleep. They weren't always the smartest, okay? But, uh, so they thought he was talking about a literal sleep. They're like, Jesus, he's going to wake up again. So Jesus then told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there so that you would believe, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go to so that we may die with him. This, this really is my main point. What I'm really trying to say, uh, where I just want to keep iterating, keep saying over and over and over again tonight that you would just, it would just sink deep into who you are and your belief system. I really believe that pain reminds us how much we need a Savior. I just want to keep saying that over and over and over again because you need to know it, you need to believe it, you need to just have it just rooted in you because you will experience pain. If you haven't already, you definitely will. We all experience pain and we need to know that that pain is not God rejecting us, it is God reminding us. We need to be reminded that we need a Savior and pain reminds us that we need a Savior. I would even go so far to say that, that the depth of pain, the deeper the pain, the more the realization is. The more you're just feeling the weight of how fallen this world is, when you feel the depth of how just horrible everything is in this world, you are just so tuned in to the fact that we need a God to save us from the hurt that we are living in. When the weight of uh, your sin or other people's sin, just the weight of this world is just pressing down on you, that's when you just realize, man, we need a Savior. I need God. I need a redeemer, I need a restorer. Our pain reminds us that we need a savior and the depth of the pain just shows us the depth of how much we really do need a savior. Look at the, look at the text here, it says, whenever he, whenever he says, hey, we're gonna go there, by the way, he's not just sleeping, he really is dead. He says, I am glad for your sake that I wasn't there so you may believe. Okay, so catch that. He says, he tells the disciples, guys, I want to let you know, I am glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. He said, I'm glad that Lazarus died. I mean, we just need to just put it out there. We just need to say it. Jesus said, I am glad that I let Lazarus die. Someone that loves him, someone that professes him as Lord, someone that serves him, that Jesus loves. Jesus says, I'm glad that he died for your sake. And that whole, that word there, uh, glad, it's not just like, man, that kind of was nice. The word glad there is actually like a rejoiceful, a celebratory rejoicing, believe it or not. It, it is more than just being glad. It is just a celebration, a, a rejoicing, a triumphant excitement. And that's what Jesus was feeling when he waited two more days as Lazarus was dying. I think that God uses our pain to show us how much we need him. He, he sees our pain as useful to draw us near to him. And I know that sometimes it's like, man, I, I just, I'm really struggling here. This is something Sarah and I have been talking about throughout the entire week. This is not an easy sermon to write, but Sarah and I have just been talking through it, I think almost every night now this week leading up to this uh, Wednesday. We've just been, we've been getting ready for bed and everything, and that, through, that whole time we've just been like wrestling through this, talking through it, like, I don't know, you know, how, what about this? How about that? Like, man, I don't know if God could really could do this. Like, if he's not the author of evil, well, then how is he, you know, using it? You know, like how? And we're just wrestling because this isn't easy for me to 
Except either sometimes. And so whenever we're saying that God sees our pain, sees our suffering as useful to draw us nearer to him, it's hard for me to swallow us too. But I really think that at the end, and whenever I get to the end here, I really think that that is good news. There's good news in it. There's the gospel in this. God sees our pain as useful to draw us closer to him. And I know I'm saying that uh, to, to people that have gone through some really, really hard things. And it's almost like you could feel like a slap in the face by me saying, God uh, sees what you've gone through, the hurt that you've uh, felt, the, 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 all the nights of crying and just the, the torment that you've felt. And you're saying, God sees that it's useful? Yes. And I want to say how because I truly think that that can set us free, that can, that can redeem us, that can excite us because there's something so good about what that means, that God sees our pain, your suffering, your hurt, what you've gone through as useful to draw him, draw us closer to him. You see it all throughout the Old Testament. You see that, in, that when Israel was turning away from God, forgetting that they needed him, forgetting to live for him, that they were starting to turn to other things, to, to focus on other things, to give their day over to uh, just dedicating it to other things, to forget about God and not to focus on God and to live for other things, whether it be a hobby or whatever it was. Um, they, they created idols. And God kind of took the back seat. And he would send them into exile. He would send them into to judgment that other Nations would come and take over them and make them slaves time and time after again. You see that with Egypt would take them over. We see that with Babylon. We see that with Assyria. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. It is constantly the story of Israel being taken over and going through judgment and then being redeemed by God and then forgetting that God is good and then God putting them in judgment and pain and suffering and then he would just bring them up to where they would see how great God is and that they would rejoice and they would declare that their God is amazing. But he needed to keep sending them into just exile and pain and suffering that they would constantly remember, we need a God, we need a Savior, we need someone to restore us. So much of the Old Testament is God reminding his people that they need him through allowing pain and suffering and hurt in their lives. You see it in the book of Job. I mean, man, it's like full circle with him. This dude is hurting, but he's devoted. he starts out, he's devoted to God and God allows all these things to go into his life and just happen and just, just destroys the man uh, with just plague after plague after plague, both physical ailment to relational, just everyone that he loves and cares for uh, is taken from him, dies, and that the, his, his, one, his income, all economics falls apart for him. He, he loses all his livestock, all his money, all of his investments. They are taken away. His family is taken away. His, his friends are taken away. His physical uh, capabilities, I mean, the man is crippled from all the just disease that has just taken over his body. And so God allows all these things to happen. But at the end of the book, we see that really this has led to Job's understanding of how great God is, how big God is. And how much Job just needs to look to God and be like, man, I need you. Man, I need you. We see it all over. Their pain, their suffering showed them they need a savior. And I think that's the same for us. I know a lot of people that have just experienced the hurt of parents divorcing, parents separating, 
Or maybe might just be just as painful, if not more painful, uh, parents sticking together but just constantly fighting. I know so many people that that's their life. And, and I know so many people that have experienced just abuse, whether it be emotional or physical or, or whatever it is, just are abused regularly or have been in the past and there's scars and there's hurt. And so to say that God would use that for his glory, that God would use that to just draw us closer to him, that we would just cling to him more and to hold on to him more. I think of, I think of my little siblings, and you're actually going to see them. They, they come around every once in a while. Uh, they're going to come this weekend. You're going to be able to hang out with them if you're coming to Sunday. Um, but I think of them because they're, they're adopted. Um, we adopted them a few years ago, and Nathan and Adeline, but I just honestly think about it that they have, a, they have a family that loves them so much. I mean, I would do anything for those two. But I think they kind of know it now, but man, it's just going to really just hit them hard whenever they grow up and they, it starts to become a deeper reality of what, what's happened and why they're a part of my family. That they had a family that didn't want to care for them. They had a family that didn't want to provide for them. They had a, uh, parents that chose drugs and alcohol over them, loved drugs and alcohol more than them. And I just think about what kind of pain that stirs in somebody's heart when you realize your biological parents would do that. And that just makes you angry and hurt. And I feel it. And I'm not just minimizing that. I'm hurting for my siblings that they haven't even felt that kind of pain yet. But I'm scared for them that they will but I really think even that pain that my siblings could feel, or maybe some of you have felt, whatever the pain is, death, I think that those things God can use so that we would look to him and we would cling to him and we would fall on our knees before him and we would have this experience in our life that we would say, man, I need a savior. Man, I need a God that would save me. I need a God that would restore me, the one that would heal me. The pain would remind us that we need a God that we can't find here. Someone that would never disappoint. A God that would never let us down when everyone that we know on this earth would. Our pain would just point us to how much we need God. Now, I really want to make a point here because this is, this is really important, what I'm talking about. I want, I want you just to, to know and, and catch that God does not love the evil that we experience. God doesn't love it. And I, I just want you to hear that. That's not what I'm saying, that God enjoys the pain and suffering that we experience. That he rejoices because Lazarus was dying from this sickness, from a, probably a horrible fever. He wasn't giddy about that because Lazarus was hurting. I want you to catch that, that he, he despises, despises abuse. He is disgusted by divorce. He, he hates that the fact that a foster care system needs to exist. He hates that, that the reality that we would need to have to do that because there's parents out there that don't care for kids. He hates that that's a reality, that we need systems like that because we are such a fallen people. He, he hates the evil that we experience. And so I want you to hear that. He hates it, but he uses it nevertheless. And he loves that through that we would turn to him and we'd look to him 
and we will cling to him, and we will rely on him. He hates the evil, but he loves that through it we would just have a deeper relationship with him. I really do believe that. If you look at Romans 8.28, it says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And it's not just saying uh, we know that most things or some things, uh, the majority of things, um, the good things. It's, it's saying all things. And I really want us to just encapsulate on that, that all things. Because this verse is well known by a lot of people. If you grew up in church, you probably heard it. But it's also probably misused as much as it is known. And so um, a lot of people just throw this up here, throw it on a coffee mug. Uh, but I, I, I really want to look at it and correct understanding that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This is not promise that only good things will happen to you. It's promising that both good and bad things that happen to you will ultimately lead you to a closer relationship with God, that God has a plan through weaving through both good and bad, comfortable and uncomfortable, uh, convenient, inconvenient, everything that would happen to us, the small and the big Everything would lead us to a deeper relationship with God. The good things, we would celebrate and we would look to God. The bad things, we would cry and weep out and cry out, we need you, God. Both things, everything would lead us to God. That's what this text is saying. It's not saying only good things will happen to you. It's promising you that bad things also will happen to you. But through all of it, the good that is our adoration, our satisfaction in, God would come about all the more. That's what it's saying. If you, if you look at, jump, jump back to John chapter 11, and, and he's talking to the disciples. I, w- I want us to catch, because we don't always do catch this, that he led them to their likely death. It, it says, then after that, he said to the disciples, so after he waited two days, right, um, he said to the disciples, hey, let's go to Judea again. They said, Rabbi, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again. If you look back before John chapter 11, he was just in Judea and almost got stoned. He slipped away and got out of the, somehow, I don't know how, but slipped out, didn't get stoned to death, but he almost did. And so they, they leave, and just two days later, He's like, guys, we didn't head back there. I got some business I got to do. And they're like, are you serious? We almost, you almost got stoned. You almost got us stoned. We almost got stoned. And you're having us go back there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're actually going to, we're going to head back there now. And so I want you to catch this. He didn't only use, he didn't only allow the pain, but he directed the pain. He, he actually led them into the pain. He, he, he guided them into where they would likely be stoned. He, he grabbed their hand and said, follow me where you likely will die, where they thought they were going to die. And you're like, well, hold on. I, I can't believe in a God that would, that would lead me through some horrible time in my life. I only believe in a God that would really lead me through the good things, and he would really try his best to lead me out of the bad things. That's the kind of God I would serve. I think we, we read a lot, Psalm 23, anyone know it? Maybe, you guys are all liars. I know there's a lot of people in here that know Psalm 23. If you uh, grew up in church your whole life, you probably have this thing plastered somewhere on your wall. If you're like chipping, joining a Gaines or something, you might. But um, 
You might have a coffee mug of, of Psalm 23. If you don't know it, that's okay, but it's a psalm. Um, and we also see in that this same idea of God leading us, not just trying to divert us from, but leading us into pain. Let me read it here. The Lord is my shepherd. I sh- I, I, it sometimes says I shall not want. I have what I need. And so catch this. God is our shepherd in this, in this psalm. God is our metaphoric shepherd. We are dumb sheep that without a shepherd, we are going to stray. We're going to leave. We're going to wander. We're going to forget about him. Uh, we need a God that will shepherd us, that will guide us, that will lead us, and he will direct us where he needs us to go. Okay, So he is the shepherd for us dumb sheep. Yeah, I'm a dumb sheep too, so it's okay. <laughs> he says, it says, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. As my shepherd, he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. What are the right paths? Even though I go through the darkest valleys, <laughs> I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Don't be naive to think that he only leads us beside the quiet waters where it's like the, the gentle brooks with the water just you know, going over the rocks. And you're like, oh, just like, you know, and like, oh, this is so beautiful, the green grass, you know, like, I love this little stream that he led me by, and not to think that he would also lead you through that darkest valley. He's like, oh, man, I lost my sheep. I meant for you to be by the brook this whole time. Like, he led you both by the brook, by the stream, but also through the darkest valley. He's your shepherd both then and in the nice times. He is the one that leads you. Why would he lead us to dark valleys? Why would he lead the disciples where they would likely die? Where, why would he lead us into pain? And I think it's so that we would find our deepest comfort, our deepest satisfaction, our deepest need in him. If you look at that, it says, when I go through the darkest valleys, I still don't fear danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You are my shepherd, and even whenever I'm led into the darkest valleys, even whenever you're the one that directed me into the darkest valleys, you are my greatest comfort. And then whenever I go there, I find that you are the one that I need to turn to all the more. He leads us, leads us into pain sometimes so that we would find him to be our greatest comfort, our greatest, greatest satisfaction, our savior. And the deeper the pain, the more we hurt, the more we realize, man, I need him. Look at the disciples' response. <clears throat> he says all this. He says, hey, you guys are going with me. Lazarus is dead. And then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, so that we may die with him. What stinking devotion. That's crazy. He, he, he just said, hey, guys, yeah, you're right. I am going to lead you where we almost got stoned, where I almost got stoned, where you might just die, where I might just die, but I'm going to lead you because I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to wake him up. They're like, ah, oh, he's just sleeping. No, guys, he's dead, dead, like as dead as can be, dead. And I'm going to wake him up. They're like, all right, I'll follow you. <laughs> because I think even in the darkest of times, even in the worst cases, even whenever it means death, like not just suffering, not just pain, not just, ow, that hurt, but death, I'm done for. Even if our pain would lead to that, knowing that we have a God who can just snap his finger and raise us from that death, even if it means that you're in the worst pain, that's the safest place to be if he's there with you. If the, the one that can raise you from the dead is there with you, that is the safest place you can be, even if it means that you're going to die, because he can raise you from the dead. So they're like, you know what? 
Might get stoned. You can raise the dead. All right, we'll go with you. You're all powerful. You, we, we realize your, your power. We realize your might. We realize how great you are. We will lead you. or we, we will follow you. We'll let you lead us wherever you go. I'm wrapping up here, but guys, I, I want you to catch this. Our inclination, our natural tendency is to question God. Just like the disciples, just like how they were. They, they were like, man, you, you sure about this? I really am not sure that we should do that. I'm not sure that we should go there. Our natural tendency is to question God, but then also to get angry with God, to say, God, how could you do this? I know better than you. I know that I shouldn't be going through this dark valley. I know that I shouldn't be experiencing this pain. How could you? And so we become angry, confused, and questioning God. Those are our inclinations, just like the disciples. But I think our also response should be, man, I know you're an amazing Savior. I know you're an amazing God. And so I'm going to follow you even when it means the darkest of valleys. I know that you can overpower death, and so I will lead you even to death. I will follow you even to death. I I know that you are greater than my suffering, and so I will follow you through my suffering. I know that that valley looks really dark, really scary, but I know that you are the shepherd that led me through it, and you're going out of it, and I will follow you regardless. Our pain and our suffering and our hurt amplifies our reality of our need for God. I want you just to grab that and hold on to that and believe that whenever pain hits and confusion happens and anger is your natural inclination that you are just angry at God that he would allow that to happen to you. I just want you to grab onto the fact that really your pain can just point you that much more to just needing God. But it it needs a mind shift and that's, that's this. I think that we should not view pain as God giving up on us because it's not. If you read the first six verses of John chapter 11, it says twice that he loved them so deeply. It's not God giving up on them. And he ended up going there. Two days later, he ended up going. We should not view pain as God giving up on us. We should view pain as God calling us to himself, saying, I need you to remember how much you need me. I want you to find your deepest comfort in me. I want you to hold tightly to me. We should see our pain as God calling us to himself. And that is how pain can be a blessing because We're fooled if we think the greatest good for us is comfort. The greatest good for us is realizing how much we need God. The greatest good for us is holding tightly to God. The greatest good for us is leaning on God. The greatest good for us is having a deep relationship with God. And so if that means pain would lead us there, we need the pain. Pain can be a blessing because it shows us how deeply we need that relationship. Our greatest good. And so would you guys join me just standing up? We We can spread out here. Um, this, is a, this is a heavy sermon, a heavy time. We're going to go into a song here that is, it's called All Because of Christ. Uh, Sarah, if you could click on the chorus really quick. It says, if I stand and see it through, if I stay the course and I make it home, that is heaven. If my heart is overwhelmed with peace in the storm, not overwhelmed with fear, not overwhelmed with worry, not overwhelmed in general, but overwhelmed with a sense of just peace, 
in the midst of the storm, it is only because, it is all because of Christ. If I can feel the sense of peace and relaxation and comfort in the midst of all the suffering that I'm experiencing, it is because of Christ. And if you can click on the last slide of this song, I think it's the last slide, it becomes a declaration at the very end of the song. It says, so I will stand and I will see it through. I will stay the course and I will make it home. My heart is overwhelmed with peace in the storm. And it is all because of Christ. Our pain can be a blessing because it can remind us that we need God in the midst of a storm. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.